from the Kramer Basketball Headquarters in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. You are listening to the Coach's Edge Podcast, powered by Coach. Here is your host, Steve Kramer. And we are live recording with Coach Tanner Massey. Good to have you back, man. It's been a year and a half, two years. I did some prep work listening to our, our first episode with you. And, uh, you know, it's always interesting when I'm trying to get a coach on the podcast who's like international. You're traveling all over the place. And um, it's just like, one, it's an honor to to have you back. And I, I listened to our other episode and there was some great nuggets. I was like, man, I'm, I'm glad just being a coach. I listened to some of the things we talked about in our last episode. Today, we're talking about the transition and the differences between being an assistant coach and a head coach. So first of all, coach, welcome. And uh, as you're welcomed here, uh, give us a little bit of what you've been up to the last couple of years. Uh, Thanks for having me, coach. I appreciate uh, the uh, invite to come back and uh, discuss and go over uh, this topic, uh, one that's pertinent to me and kind of what I've gone through within the last uh, year and a half or so. Um, but yeah, over that time, it's been a lot of basketball and it's been great. Um, you know, this past full season, I was in Finland, uh, as an assistant, the, the lone assistant with BC Nokia, uh, under coach Greg Gibson. And, uh, fortunately for me, um, not only was he American, uh, but I, um, I had known him for a long time. My agent had known him for a very long time. Um, so I thought, you know, working with a, with a familiar face, um, was, was helpful for me in my first full season overseas. Um, so, and he had played in the league, he had coached in the league, uh, you know, combined 20 years, maybe a little less, but, um, so just going to a place where I knew the coach had knowledge of not only, uh, how the game was played, but the other teams and the players, uh, was very helpful. Um, so I spent a full season over there and then I went straight from Finland. Uh, then I got married and then basically three weeks after the wedding, I went up to Canada and I coached, uh, in the CEBL for the Saskatchewan Rattlers. This was my third season there. And we finished up, uh, about a month ago today, July 29th, and just been kind of traveling, doing some other basketball stuff since then. Truly what I meant in the beginning around the world. Like, I mean, this is cool. And, and, and you're always been really good at getting back to me when I'm like, Hey, you know, love to have you back. And like, we got another coach who's a, he's an NBA skills trainer. He's in LA, but um, he's also like in China right now running a camp. And so like, like you and him, like different coaches who are like, everybody's busy. Like you be, you're a high school coach, you're a junior high coach, you're a professional coach. We're all busy. But when you throw in like, different parts of the world and time zones and all that different thing. It's like a whole nother mixed bag uh, of things to work with, which is, you know, adds to, I think some of the the fun and and doing all this stuff and, and the, the podcast in, in general, Finland, the CEBL uh, in our previous podcast, you share, I mean, you truly been all around the world coached at the college level as well. Uh, and you've been a head coach and assistant coach at a variety of stops. When you think of some of the differences between a head coach and a cons- assistant coach, what are some of the things that come to mind? Yeah, um, 
you know, for me, this was my fourth time as an interim head coach. And currently that is still my title. Um, and, you know, it, it, it tends to get easier. You know, I think everything in life, it gets easier the more often that you do it. So I was, you always have that, uh, you know, that vision of how you would do things uh, as an assistant and when you move up to being the head coach. But after you've experienced it a couple times, um, it helps. And really all four situations were completely different. You know, I remember my first one in Japan, the head coach uh, was forced to resign. And then I was head coach for three games until I left. Um, and then another one, uh, I was with the Syrian national team and I ran the entire training camp and coached three friendly games. For, so for like a month, I was able to be the head coach from the very beginning. Um, and then the acting head coach came in and coached in the real games, the Olympic qualifiers. And then um, uh, shoot, uh, the other one was in the CEBL, my first season, where I was head coach uh, for two playoff games. This one, um, I was the interim head coach uh, virtually halfway through the season. Uh, we played 20 games, and I was the head coach the last eight games of the season. Uh, so I was able to get, you know, a lot of knowledge based on, you know, the roles of being the assistant versus the head coach within the same season, which was really cool. Uh, I think number one is just responsibilities. Um, you know, uh, as an assistant, you are responsible for what the head coach gives you uh, as well as, you know, just doing your job and being available for the players um, on the court, off the court, and uh, providing feedback, giving ideas. As a head coach, your responsibilities, uh, you have to be able to delegate. And uh, that was one thing that we had to do, I, I had to do, because we didn't gain another assistant coach after um, the move was made for me as head coach. Uh, we didn't add anybody. So we re I really had to delegate and take quite a few things off my plate that I had as an assistant, give those uh, to our other two assistant coaches uh, so I could have, um, you know, really an oversee, uh, have a broad scope vision. And that was the second one is to have a broad scope vision of what you want to do. As assistant, you don't really have that control. And you're really focused on helping the head coach move on, on the day-to-day -day aspects, practice games, whatever, travel. But as head coach, you got to be able to see not just what today holds, but how that affects tomorrow, how that affects um, – the week ahead with uh, the schedule games and, and the load of the players, you really got to um, be able to see ahead. And the last one, which was a lot of fun for me uh, is as head coach, you're able to control the tenor and the focus of the team. Um, whether that's, um, you know, the initial message uh, to the team to set the tone for practice, um, heading into games, um, halftime, halftime, uh, you know, meetings, timeouts, uh, when you're addressing the media after the game, there's a lot that goes into that. And, um, that's something that I really enjoy doing and, um, learned a lot from. So for our, our coaches that are listening, you know, in, in the United States and they're hearing like, 
I coached here for two games and I was the assistant. Then I was the head coach. And then I was the only coach and there was no assistant for a while. This is relatively pretty normal stuff internationally, right? And I know like a high school head coach, you got your JV coach, your freshman coach, you probably got a varsity assistant coach. But overseas, most clubs are putting the majority of their money into the players, right? They got a coach. And if they're doing pretty well budget-wise, they're also going to have an assistant coach and, and, and things like that. I mean, I, I played for over my four years overseas. I played on three different teams. And we had a head coach, uh, another team head coach. And then the last team I played for, we had a head coach and um, a player's coach. So he was a player on a team and he was an assistant coach. He did both because he was like old and he was becoming a coach, but he was still like young enough to practice and stuff like that. But he didn't really play any games. He was like a player's coach. Um, mm -hmm. This is that's pretty normal, right? As far as international stuff goes. Yeah. Um, you know, for us this past season, it was uh, our head coach, uh, me, and then two other assistants, uh, one who had never coached before. Um, so he was learning a lot, you know, mm -hmm. he just providing energy and practice. That was kind of his main role. Uh, he played in college, but he was also, he was older than me. I'm 35. Uh, but he had never coached before, but he stayed involved in basketball. Uh, and then our other coach, he was a head coach in college at, in Canada uh, before and just great knowledge of the game. Um, he was terrific. Um, but no, every, every team virtually has, you know, at least one assistant, like what we had in Nokia uh, this past season. And the responsibilities are based on what the head coach wants to give you. And fortunately for me in Finland, and this past season uh, in Canada, I was able to have a lot of responsibilities and um, that expedited uh, my growth and my voice when it came to the players and especially in Finland, the ones who didn't know me. So mm -hmm. that, that, that helped. But if you're not winning, if, if you're not, you know, progressing and keeping the guys on the same page, you know, those teams overseas, as we all know, they're quick to pull the plug too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Coaches, coaches who get let go quickly as will the players i mean um you know we i think i had one one year i i played and i think i had seven teammates fired through the course of one season i mean it, it was crazy and we had a bunch of injuries and it, it was like an extreme example um but that happens sometimes like it's it can be pretty pretty extreme um you talked a little bit about some of the responsibilities that you had as an assistant coach especially for a professional sports team, you're really able, I'm sure, to to hone in, get specific on different things. What were some of those responsibilities? As, as an assistant? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, as the assistant, uh, for me, I had, uh, luckily in my past, I have knowledge of video, and I'm always watching film, gathering clips and concept ideas, so I have a bank of of film that I can go to whenever I need need it for just um, uh, you know uh, thought churning and examples for players and um, so that that always helps. So I was able to do that for both both teams this past season. Um, you know whether and help with scouting and uh, I was in charge of doing all the scouting 
for uh, our opponents in Finland and preparing the video for that. Um, our head coach, he, he did the paper scout, but I did the video scout. And we were on the same page heading in uh, before we presented that to the team. So that was big. It was big for me to um, uh, – we collaborated for practice planning. We um, – I was in charge of the pregame workouts uh, as well. Um, and then based on, you know, what the coach needs or kind of what your role is, if there are multiple assistants on the staff, may give you one side of the ball uh, to really focus on. And, um, you know, as well, giving you that responsibility and practice to focus on that. And, um, you know, that that's big for your growth. And you're always searching for ways to um, help get those messages across to the players in a practice setting. And hopefully it translates over to the game. Um, and then as, as well, just being available to the head coach, um, so that you can listen, you can hear him out and understand what he's going through and how you can always, always be ready to take something off their plate. That's, that's one thing I was, uh, aware of in both situations this past year. Love being ready to take something off the head coach's plate. That's, that's huge. Right. And you have to be a person who's very unselfish. You have to be a, a person who has a servant mindset where you can look at a situation, you can look at what's going on. And instead of thinking internally, you're thinking externally, you're, you're seeing everything big picture, scanning it and saying, you know, what would be the best thing for me to do? And if you're not sure you're selfless enough to simply ask, right? Because that coach has a, a lot going on. And as you said, they have to have that broad scope vision for the direction that they want to go as a team, but there's all these little things that are vital that, boy, if, if you're willing to take that off somebody's plate, man, what a great uh, asset, what a great value you're providing. And I mean, one, you're helping your team too. You're helping your career by, you know, keeping your eye open and doing things like that. Yeah, no. And, and whenever you are able to uh, facilitate others uh, in your organization, uh, you know, whenever one person is whoever's the weakest one on the team, that's how weak the group is. And it's important, especially for coaches, to be able to take something off the head coach's plate at all times and just be ready for that because when he or she is has their focus on what is most important in that moment for practice or games or for meetings, then you know that you're getting – the best out of out of that coach same thing with our players when they are more locked in and things are as simple as they can be with the most clarity then we feel very confident that we're getting the best and in order for for everybody in the organization to function properly we have to be able to help each other and um you know i thought whenever i became head coach uh, the other assistants and our gm did an awesome job helping me and our players did too um, but yeah, we have to be able to help each other for sure. That's a servant, you know, that's what we're doing as coaches. We serve our players and we serve the other one, other coaches around us. Mm -hmm. You mentioned being a servant and you mentioned having a strength in game film. What are some of the ways as an assistant that you've been able to utilize game film to communicate to the coaching staff and also to teach your players? Yeah, I think number one, you have to listen. You have to listen to, the head coach for an example of how 
how can we get uh, this guy this shot out of this action? Or how can we make this action better or disguise this action for what we really want? And then, you know, you're always thinking of ideas on the fly, but then in order to really cement it down and so the coach has a clear vision of what you want, I think that's that's where film can really come into play. And it can be super beneficial, um, you know, to for that coach to then be able to have ideas flowing because as he's watching film, he's saying, Oh, I see this. And we all have different interpretations of, of, um, you know, film that we watch or games. So uh, I think that's number one. Number two is also just helping with your players, um, whether it's watching themselves or watching other players or teams that you find um, correlate to their skill set. having that, um, Having that ability to use film to reach your players is big, especially with um, how young players are now and how visual they are. You know, we have to be able to reach them. So having having an understanding uh, of computers and of film and of that software, but then not just that, but then having the understanding of how much can they handle. You know, uh, I know one thing as a coach uh, for me that I always thought of was um, – I want to give the guys just enough information so that they can go and play great. I don't want to give them too much to where they get bogged down, but just that phrase, that sentence of give them just enough to go play great. That was big. And you try, you got to be efficient with your film. So any feedback you got to be efficient with. When you talk about being efficient, what would some of that look like as far as game film with your players? Would it be, Hey, you're doing a pregame warmup you pull a player to the side, you got your laptop out and you're sitting on the side of the bench, showing them a, a couple clips of, you know, maybe some scouting report of what the player they're going to be matched up with is doing, or is it a classroom session as a team? I mean, it's probably all of the above, right? But what are some of the things that you guys use? Well, I think it's, it's all determined based on what the need is at that moment, you know, for your first example of the pregame, you know, probably no more than five clips. Um, and you want to keep it specific to either an action or a coverage that that the player will be involved in uh, or a matchup as well. Um, you know, so you want to and, and they will have known this information going into it through the scout or whatnot. But if you can make it specific to them and be concise with with the clips and the information you give. That's that's when it's most effective, but you don't want to bog them down with too many clips. I used to, and I mean, I'm sure I, I still did this, especially in Finland. But um, you know, I've gotten better with just being uh, having as as much as many clips as you need for them to just go and do their thing without overthinking. And then you know, in the classroom setting, it's just being more organized. You know, because you may have to hit on four, maybe you know five different things, or you have to at least consider those. And then you have to funnel it down to three. What are the three main things we want to touch on today in practice or that we got to get out of the game from last night? Um, you know, and, and that was a great challenge and a fun challenge as head coach is to um, manage that, um, those film sessions after games. You know, what is most important for our guys to take from this game? and have clips have evidence have stats to back it up and then you have to come to a collective agreement 
So you mentioned a little bit of being a head coach. Let's put that hat on for, for a minute here. What are some ways sitting in that head coaching seat? I mean, there's a big difference moving that, that one chair over, right? What are some of the things that you've done as a head coach or, or, and you also think about as the future, as I continue to coach, you know, for X amount of years until you retire, right? You got a, you got a long coaching window ahead of you where you're going to try to put your assistants in a position to succeed, especially for our, uh, you know, varsity high school coaches who are listening. A lot of you have an assistant or a JV coach. They want to be in your shoes someday. They want to be a head coach of their own team someday. And so that's part of our responsibility also as head coaches is to try to foster that next next generation of coaches and, and put them in a position to succeed. What are some of the things that come to your mind? Yeah. Uh, number one is you have to be able to meet with them. You know, assistant coaches, they, they are in that role because they love basketball and they love to work with people who are competitive, who want to win in basketball. Uh, that, that's the reason why, you know, I, I've, been an assistant forever because I love it and but you you need to meet with them and get on the same page that's one of the first things I did as a head coach uh after the transition was made was meet with our other two assistants and say what do you want to get better at in this last month of the season um you know what are that's one of the questions I asked what what else what do you want to get better at how can how can we I help you with that and then I would relay to them, this is what I know I need from you right now in this moment to help me as a head coach. Like, I know I need, I need this one assistant over here to keep bringing energy, to be even, even more confident in his voice with our players in practice. Also need for you to, um, to be able to handle uh, fouls and timeouts during games. Um, you know, another assistant was I need, for you to be able to give me ideas, whatever you see on either side of the ball, um, be ready, be ready for that. I need you to help me with substitutions in games. Um, and then collectively, you know, just encourage them for practices because we would meet an hour, usually an hour before practice would start to go over the practice plan um, that I would put together. But even before the night before I would put the practice plan out there, I would text them, Hey, what, what do you think we need to hit on or how best do you think we can hit on this piece uh, in practice? And, um, you know, they would provide great feedback. Sometimes they would say, that's, that's not important. Maybe you're overthinking it. Like, yeah, I, I probably am overthinking it. Um, so, you know, as a head coach, your mind is, is always going, um, you know, a million miles an hour of, of how to reach these guys and how best to prepare them. Um, Cause that's your job. But, yeah, just meeting them, uh, getting on the same page with with those uh, coaches, and then uh, really asking questions, making sure that they feel valued and that what they bring to the table is being considered and listened to. Um, because when you don't feel like you're being listened to, then that's when you can just turn off and and lose your uh, your sense of value within the staff, and then um, you know you, you're not as valuable. So you got to make sure that you listen to your coaches. Coaches, listen, I'm going to encourage you to rewind the last five minutes and listen to what coach just broke down. That's worth the click of a button on, on your phone. Listen to this podcast right here, because if you're starting as a head coach, you're like, man, how, how can we 
you know, do a better job with our assistant coaches. I mean, I'm taking a page full of notes right here, but what do you want to get better at? That's a question we should ask our assistant coaches more often, right? That's something that we would probably think more so to ask our players, but it's the same thing with our coaches. What do you want to get better at? Two, what do I need from you right now? And you got specific. You gave a bunch of examples of things that you uh, have had conversations with from different coaches. This is meeting them where they're at, getting on the same page early. And then when you combine that with like the value, I care about you. I really have, I, I want your thoughts. I want your feedback. I want your critiques. Like, what do you think of this practice plan, game film, the scouting report? Your thoughts are valuable to our program here. I mean, just that five minutes, coach, I just want to repeat, you know, some of those things that you mentioned, because that was just so, so, so good, I think, as, as a head coach. Anything you want to add with that? Because that was literally gold. Yeah, uh, you know, and as you want to uh, build confidence with with your staff and with their thoughts and opinions about what how we're doing things on the floor. And that builds accountability. You have to have accountability suggestions as an assistant. And um, and that's on the head coach to provide that accountability. And that creates a learning atmosphere within the team. Um, you know, that's that was big for me because, you know, I learned quickly that, you know, you, you it's important to throw out to have ideas and be ready for those, but you don't want to be so uh nonchalant and so just um spitballish. I'm just gonna throw something ball and see if it sticks. Now nah, our time is too valuable. Right. Our mind space is too valuable and too limited to just go and throw something up there. But let's really have accountability with what we're trying to do here. And um you know, with that, even as a head coach, uh, we got to model the way of how we want to do things. And, um, you know, I think that was big for me, just making sure that you're modeling how your coaches, how the entire staff need to conduct themselves and how they need to handle preparation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, lo I love that. I mean, those are great additions, the, the modeling, the accountability. You can't be accountable unless you've met them where they're at and you've gone over some of those things that uh, you've made sure you're on the same page. We're on the same page, we're, we're modeling, there's the care factor, right? Now there's some accountability because we talked about uh, when you need that scouting report ready, right? We've talked about uh, if, if you're going to spitball an idea, like you said, it's not just like throwing spaghetti at the wall. If you're going to give me an idea, I, I need some thought behind it. I need some background behind it. You, you should have put in at least some work right. Of why you would even share this idea instead of, Hey, you know, I think we got to trap the ball screens, you know, I think, well, just cause you think like, I like trapping ball screen. No, like, does this team handle trapping a ball screen? Well, right. What do the rotations look like? What's the proof from a team that's done in the past? Oh yeah. Maybe there are some weaknesses there. Oh, may, now maybe like you got to have as an assistant coach, that's, that's on you too, right. Is, is to have, right. You got to do your homework. You got to be prepared when you're going to share some ideas and value to your coach. So yes, it's welcome, but you got to do, you know, your work as well. That's a, that's a big one. And, Talk about the, sorry, coach. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Uh, and sorry. And this just the last one is, um, you know, again, it's, it's about the visual. We talked about film earlier uh, as a coach, if you're not able to have film, at least be able to put it on paper. I know mm -hmm. for me, I see better than I hear. So I need to be able to see, 
what uh, the suggestion is before we really start talking about it, because then the light bulb will go off on me. There's a better chance that light bulb will go off in a visual versus me, you just talking my ear off about it. So I, I thought that was, that was uh, big for me. I know I needed that with our assistance. Uh, this year. That's a great point. And it also takes my mind to just, we learn different ways, you know, like, um, you know, video, for example, I, we all learn pretty well on video, but one thing I've noticed about me that's different than a lot of other coaches I met is like having court diagrams. Mm. Like I learned really well from, from like just a little, I'm looking over my office. I got a bunch of them all over here, but like just a little, little playbook of like, whether it's a drill, whether it's a play, like when I see that on paper, a lot of times it actually helps me more than seeing it on video. I know that doesn't make sense, but when I'm watching on video, I'm looking very specifically at what those players did during that play and the decisions that they made. Whereas when I'm looking at it on paper, it's almost like my mind has the freedom to go in any way I want it to, as far as like the reads and the passes. And I know that may sound backwards and coaches may like get more out of it from watching the the players do it. And I get value from both. Don't get, don't get me wrong, but the importance of like understanding how each coach learns is, is vital, I think, to improve our communication and make sure that we're on our same page uh, mm-hmm. among a coaching staff. Uh, coach, talk about the difference, the difference in the relationship with the players, right? There's a big difference between being the assistant coach and the relationship you have with your players and being the head coach, sitting in that head seat and having a relationship with your players. Uh, how have you gone about navigating that and talk about some of those differences that you found between those two positions. It was such a great experience uh, from a learning standpoint, uh, going through this in the middle of a season, going from the uh, lead assistant to the head coach. Um, as as coaches and as leaders, we are responsible uh, for the confidence within our team. And especially as the lead assistant, you know, we're, we're encouragers very often. We are encouraging our players uh, to, uh, you know, we're not sugarcoating that that's not our job, but our job is to uh, help them be better, help them to be, to become better on the floor and as men or as ladies. And we need to be able to encourage. That's, that's huge as an assistant. Um, so I, I found for me, I was, I'm a very energy guy. That's one of my pillars as a coach is, is energy. I, uh, I feel like I'm positive and I feel like I can be a thermostat in the room, but as a head coach, as whenever this trend move happened in the middle of the season, I found, you know, especially as after we played a few games, we lost our first game or I lost my first game as head coach, but then we won our next two. Then we lost our next one. There's, there's a line that you always have to uh, straddle as a coach, especially as a head coach of being an encourager and then holding them accountable. Um, we're as we have to lead, we have to lead. And in order to do that, you have to get everybody on the same page and it can't be, just on one one way or another. If you're too much of an encourager, then the players are still too loose and they feel like you don't care enough about the result. If you hold them too much accountable and you're too hard on them, 
now they're going to overthink and they're not going to have fun, which is not something we want, especially in the dog days of a season when you're losing. You still want them to have fun and enjoy coming into to their work every day. So finding that line was a great learning experience, something that I really enjoyed. I never I didn't want that responsibility to be placed on anyone else. Um, I wanted to be able to walk that line and handle the tenor of, you know, of a film session, of a shoot around, of a, of a halftime talk. And, you know, those are great places to work on being an encourager versus holding them accountable. Um, that was big. And then being able to uh, make sure that everybody feels that they are listened to, that um, you are touching them every day in practice, like, hey, you're valued here, be ready to go. Um, you know, you have to have letting the players know, hey, have some agility with with your work and with um, with your role on the team, because you never know. We you never know when you're going to be needed. So making sure that they feel valued and that they're always ready to go. Um, that was big. Uh, and that's big no matter head coach or assistant. But um, I felt as a head coach, that was even more important to make sure that everybody was ready uh, to go because we needed everybody at that time. That's it. I mean, you just pointed out some great differences, uh, head coach, assistant coach. And I even can relate a lot to that. We just finished up running our summer camps where I'm the essentially the head coach at the camp. And I got the vision of how this day is going to look and, and the time and the, and the schedule making, you know, understanding, okay, here are the things we're going to cover throughout the course of the day. And, you know, as a head coach, because you have kind of that, that roadmap and that vision more long-term of how you want to progress, say throughout the week of a basketball camp, it's up to those assistant coach to do like, okay, can they do a little more of the energy? Can they do a little more of the encouraging? Can they do a little more of like the, the tiny little feedback that, as a head coach, I can do some of that, but to get the the big value, we can't we can't copycat and do the same things, right? We got we have to be able to fill different roles that a workout needs, a practice needs, a, a game needs, so that we can get the best uh, results possible uh, for for the betterment of our team and, and for our players. Mm -hmm. Let's take this to the player side now. All right, you know, and and you're probably I don't want to know the exact quote, but like the Tom Izzo quote a player-led team will always be better than a, a coach-led team. And as you've had the chance to travel the world, coach the game, be a head coach, be an assistant coach, what are some of the ways that you've put your players in a position to lead and essentially coach uh, from the player seat, the other uh, players around? Yeah, one of the best is, and this is one I haven't been able to uh, enact uh, myself yet, but is having the players determine the standards that they will operate from uh, for the season. And, you know, you do that uh, at the tail end of training camp when your roster's pretty much solidified. And now it's, all right, guys, what are the standards that we are going to hold ourselves accountable to every day here? And what does that look like? And um, you get them in a room, get them in groups and, you ask them, what is most important to you? What are words that are valuable to you? And then bringing them back together. And then collectively, we start defining those words, which ones are important, which ones are redundant that aren't needed. 
And then if you can come out, come out of that meeting with three or four standards, you can say, all right, guys, this is what we agreed upon. These are from y'all. This, this is not from me or our staff. Now we will have our own, you know, whatever that is, be on time, be early, um, uh, defense first mindset, whatever that may be. But, you know, the players are the ones who set those standards. I think another one is one that I've learned is, is valuable. If you're able to do this is halftime stats. So, um, you know, we had, um, with the team I was with in the past, uh, we had six or seven uh, stats that we would put on an Excel document. And at halftime, we would show those. Uh, we had a TV in the locker room. We would attach the computer up. One of our interns would go in, attach the computer to that, and then that spreadsheet would pop up. And we would have goals with those stats. So if you know we wanted uh, uh, less than three turnovers every quarter, well, if we had five turnovers, then that number would pop up on that quarter column and it'd be in red. If it was three or four, it's in yellow. If it was under that, then it's in green, like we accomplished that. So, and and those were more defense and toughness type stats or, you know, turnovers, decision-making somewhat, but we're talking defensive rebounding, all on the, all on the stat sheet. Defensive rebounding, fast break points. Um uh steals maybe you have a coach track deflections but then uh that coach attaches the, the computer to the television screen before the coaches even enter into the locker room those players see all right uh they have five more offensive rebounds than us we did not meet our goal this quarter with offensive rebounds and we gave up too many points like they're able to coach each other on those things and then as a coach and staff we walk in we don't even need to touch that because it's right there on the TV, you know. Um, and then just constantly asking for their feedback uh, in film sessions and in practices um, and be able to encourage them that their voice is being heard. And if, you know, as a coach, as a head coach, be willing to in practice, hey, what do you guys want here? You know, mm -hmm. at the end of practice, practice is going well. And if you see that they're getting tired, hey, what's one more thing we need to do? Do we? Do you guys want to play another set of five on five? Do we need to just get into shooting so that they take some ownership of it? I think that's a great way too. No, I love, I mean, all those are, all those are awesome. Awesome nuggets right there. You've coached players from around the world, right? I mean, there's, there's us players around the world, but between Canada, Finland, all these other countries, uh, what are some of the, have you noticed like any different communication styles in general that work better with, uh, different players depending on where they're at or what culture they're in? Yes. Uh, you know, whenever I was in Japan, uh, for one, they were uh, very receptive uh, to coaching. They really value um, their elders. They value um, the, um, the experience um, that the coach has. So they're going to listen. But that also means that, in a way, you have to really encourage them to take ownership and to think on their feet because they want they want to do exactly what you ask for. A lot of times that I found whenever I was over there, but it's like no, like this is your team. Like you might become a little more robotic. Yeah, yeah, uh, quite a bit. So um, you know, it's it's encouraging them that hey, 
go do it. You, you guys, y'all have the agility to go do this. You don't need me there, you know, talking your head off. Go, go play. Um, you know, whenever I was in Finland, it was making sure that, that, um, I mean, and we were two English uh, coaches, me and the head coach, uh, and most of, and all the Finnish players knew English, but they were very, um, you know, some were very good with it. Some were not, but making sure that your communication, that you had clarity and that it was simple. That was a big challenge for me and a lot of fun to not just over talk, to be simple, have bullet points. And, um, you know, I certainly think that that's valuable no matter where you are, even here, um, you know, in the States, we got to be able to talk succinctly, but with, uh, with, with clarity, I know like some football coaches, their job is to over communicate clarity. That's how they put it <laughs> or communicate this stuff. I got to beat it into your head. I got to talk about it every day. Again and again and again. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And to a point that's true, but in basketball, it's such a fast paced game mm-hmm. that you have to allow them to just go play and do their thing. So no, you it's a great point. It's uh, you, you want to, you want to become more concise with what you coach, go coach overseas where most of them, you know, only know half uh, the language of English and you don't know anything of, of their respective language in the country you're in. You'll get pretty concise with what you're trying to say pretty quick. <laughs> visuals. That's where the visuals come in. You know, again, we see better than we hear and that, I mean, especially overseas. Yeah. hundred percent. Coach, this was this was awesome. I mean, I want to thank you for for taking the time. I mean, every, every, we've had the chance to do two podcasts now together. I've, I know I've gotten a lot better each time that I've had the chance to chat with you, and I enjoy kind of following your coaching career from Instagram and you know for, from from afar. So, tell our listeners a little more if they want to kind of follow and see what you're up to, uh, where they can do that. Yeah, uh, my Twitter is t mass m a s s one zero. Uh, T-Mass 10. And then uh, I am on Instagram. You just do a search of Tanner Massey. You could easily find me. Um, And as well, um, those are probably the two best ways to reach out to me directly first. But um, yeah, I'm always down to talk basketball, share the game. And um, I appreciate you allowing me to be on the podcast. And I know you do some great work. Um, You have great guests, but you also do a great job of providing insight and thoughts of what you're doing currently and then how to um, you know stimulate some learning and thought with other coaches on the podcast I know it's a great learning tool and I appreciate you allowing me to be a part of that well we're glad we're definitely glad you're a part of it and and we're better because of it so uh, thanks for taking the time and to our listeners thank you for taking some time out of your day uh, to listen uh, to coach Massey drop some drop some knowledge drop some gems uh, for us today Uh, so thanks for listening Coach, uh, best wishes, and and we'll, we'll be in touch after this podcast as well. To our listeners, get after it today.